Welcome to the Near Church Podcast. This week's message starts now. Are you ready for the word today? Oh, come on. You're going to have to be louder than that. Are you ready for the word today? Oh, there we go. That was great. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1. The Bible says this, and I'll give you context here in a moment. Three days later, when David and his men arrived home at their town at Ziklag, they found that the Amalekites had had made a raid into Negev, Ziklag. And they had crushed their city and burned it to the ground. And they had carried off the women and the children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. And when David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. Now, David had two wives, Ananom from Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel, who were among those captured. David was now in great danger, not because the Amalekites, they had done their work, but because all of his men, his army, his bros, they're very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. And they begin to talk, somebody say talk, of stoning him. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Then he said to Abathar the priest, bring me the ephod. Somebody just look at your neighbor and say, bring me the ephod. So Abathar brought it, last verse, verse 8. Then David asked the Lord, should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord told him, yes, go after them, for you will surely recover everything that was taken from you. I want to preach to you for a few moments this morning on the subject, recover all. Now find five people around you, give them a high five and say, it's time to recover all. Come on. It's time to recover all. It's time to recover all. Father, we thank you for all you're doing in this room. God, let your word go deep in our hearts. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody says, amen. You may be seated, but on your way down, tell three people, you got to recover all, boo-boo. Come on. You got to recover all. You got to recover all. Got to recover all. David has been in a season of running from Saul, the king of Israel. Just some context for you this morning. God had anointed David at a young age. You see, Saul had disobeyed God. And God said, now I will take the nation from you. You'll still be king for a while, but you won't have my blessing anymore. What a tragedy it is when we're doing what God has called us to do, but he's taken his hand off of us because of our disobedience. That's not my notes. That was just free this morning. But God anoints David as the next king of Israel at a young age. And he's declared that he will be the king of the nation. And the weight of the nation will be on his shoulders. Now we know, according to scripture, that this doesn't happen for many years, decades. Which tells us that sometimes the promise is never meant for now, it's meant for later. That I can't handle God's promise right now, I'm too immature. Come on. In this... Saul has become extremely jealous because now the thing that used to be his has been promised to another because of his disobedience. And so now Saul is trying to take out David because Saul is intimidated and insecure 
And he wants to pass on the kingship to his son, Jonathan. So in our text, we see that David has been chased by Saul for years. David has been on the run. But in the middle of this season of running from Saul, this season of fleeing death, this season of fleeing persecution, we see that God gives David rest in the land of the Philistines. Sometimes a season of rest is in places you never expected. So him and his army decide we're going to settle in the land of the Philistines at Ziglag. And they begin to serve at the bequest of the leader of the land, and they fought in many battles. And here in our text, we find what has happened in the middle of their season of rest at Ziglag. The enemy comes in while David is doing what he's supposed to be doing. The enemy comes in and absolutely decimates their city, their things, and ultimately their lives. Not only does the enemy destroy everything they own, but he also takes their wives and their children, their love and their legacy. The enemy came in and stole everything of value to them. And today, for many in the body of Christ, we feel the same way. Maybe in this last season, you've experienced loss, grief, pain, suffering, betrayal. I don't know what you've experienced in the last season. And maybe it feels like this morning that everything has come to an ending point because the enemy has taken everything. Somebody shout everything. He's taken everything from you. And it feels like there is no hope for a future because if you go back to our text today in verse 1, we see that the enemy has come. But what's interesting about this is it says they had crushed Ziglag and burned it to the ground. Not only did the enemy come in and destroy the city through crushing, but they also made sure that there was no chance at rebuilding the city. So they burned it to the ground. Because when something is crushed, at least you can gather the pieces and put it back together. Oh. But when the enemy comes in and burns it all to the ground, what am I supposed to do? And I'm left with a season of hopefulness. And I'm left with a season where it looks like nothing can happen. And I'm left with a season that looks like there can be no future. And maybe for some of us in the room today, we would respond just like the men in the text. Go to verse 3 for me, Joe. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to them, look at what it says in verse 4. They wept until they could weep no more. This hit me so strong. They wept until they could weep no more. Have you ever? Have you ever cried until there were literally no more tears? I have. Have you ever lived in a season that felt like you cried in every moment? Have you ever? Have you ever felt a heartbreaking moment that you thought you would never have enough tears to cry? The moment was so great that the tears could not equal the pain that you were feeling in your heart. Have you ever? Have you ever felt like this will never end and it will always be like this forever? Have you ever? Come on, you're quiet this morning. Have you ever? Have you ever weeped until there was no more tears? 
to fall down your face. This is where David and his men are. And I can imagine the frustration of David because he has spent decades running from the man that was supposed to be a leader in his life. And just when it feels like everything is coming together, everything is taken away from him. The frustration of his tears, the frustration of not knowing. Imagine David in this moment. He's been betrayed by the spiritual authority of his land. And David, what's interesting is, David had every chance to rid himself of the problem called Saul, but he believed that God alone can judge a man for what he does. And David has remained faithful. Yet in the middle of his faithfulness, his city is destroyed, burned to the ground, and everyone he loves has been taken away. David, have you ever wept until you could cry and weep no more? Because remember, although David is the one that writes amazing praises to God, he's also the one who pours out his soul that is full of grief. But maybe in this moment, David remembers the words of the writer named Job who said, when all of my family was killed and all of my earthly things were destroyed, I had a chance to curse the name of the Lord, but instead my response was, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I don't see it right now, but I trust God. I don't understand it right now, but I trust God. I feel like quitting because the pain is too great, but I trust God. Everyone in my life has forsaken me, but I trust God. I may be going through hell and high water right now, but I trust God. If you trust God this morning, give him some praise right there. I trust God. I have weeped until there were no more tears, but I trust God. And now we see, go to verse five, a little context, David's two wives. That's a problem, David. (laughs) This is not sister wives we're talking about today. His two wives have been captured. So now in verse 6, it says, David was now in great danger. So it's not enough for David to go through this terrible situation. Now the people that he thought were going to be there for him start turning on him. Now I love that the Bible says it here in the New Living Translation. It says they were bitter about losing their sons and daughters. It never mentions their wives, which I think is interesting. (laughs) You can think about that one this week. But the Bible says they were bitter and they began to talk of stoning him. It's funny how other people will allow their own bitterness and loss to cause them to turn on you. And begin to talk. Ah, I'm getting into some muddy waters now. It's going to be fun. I have found that people that talk the most have the least amount of wisdom in the room. I have found the people that say the most, come on, have the least amount of wisdom. I have found that the people that talk and dishonor the most always have a reason we left the last church because uh, 
so-and-so wouldn't let me sing my song and they hurt me because my casserole didn't get put at the front. I'm just kidding this morning. The people that always talk the most in dishonor, people don't get them. I just didn't fit in. Come on, somebody. I found that those people, the people that talk the most have the, the least amount of favor on their lives. Preach Pastor Andrew. It says they begin to talk. They wanted to stone David. And these men, these committed men to David, there's so many instances you should go back and read where they could have quit on David because of circumstances, but they kept through it all. But here in this moment, they turn on a dime and allow their hearts to be turned against him. Hear me this morning. If you're taking notes, write this down. Tragedy and hard circumstances always reveal someone's character. Tragedy and hard circumstances always reveal someone's character. It's easy to be good when things are good. Come on. It's easy to be stable and steady when there's money in the bank, everyone's healthy, the family's good, the marriage is good. It's easy to be stable. No, show me you when everything is turned upside down. That's your character. Come on, somebody. So David now has a choice in the middle of all this chatter. Do I submit to what people are saying about me? (laughs) Chatter spreads. It's contagious. It's easier to talk about someone than it is to go pray for them. (laughs) Ah, come on, somebody. It's easier to join in the gossip while someone's down than it is to say, shut your mouth. Let's pray for him instead. Come on, somebody. It's easy to... But it's hard to stand up and say, shut the beat down. Come on, somebody. So David has a choice. Am I going to submit to the... Because it's hard to hear God in a moment where there is so much chatter around you that it's all you can hear. Oh, come on, somebody. And in that moment, you have to decide, do I submit to what God has already said about me? Oh, come on. Do I submit to the God I already know or do I submit to the... Do I submit to the chatter? Who do I submit to? Can I give you something this morning? Here's a word for you. When people begin to talk, here it is. You ready? Get a tattoo of this if you want to. Like, just get ready. Let them talk. I said, let them talk. Who cares what they say about you? Who cares what they wrote about you on Facebook? Who cares what they think? I only have to please one, and his name is Jesus. I only got to please one. So who cares what Betty Sue said about your casserole? Just move on. Let them talk. Come on, somebody. Say, let them talk. Come on, tell four people around you. Say, just let them talk. Let them talk. Who cares? I know it's hard. Submit your flesh to God and just let him talk. David had a choice in this moment. And we see the next part of the verse is David's secret to get him beyond the talking. But David, sorry, verse 6. 
But David found strength. Somebody shout strength. In the Lord his God. Now, in the natural, his strength were his mighty men. In the natural, his strength was his army. But now he has lost his physical, natural strength. They're talking about him. They want to kill him. They want to stone him. And David has a choice. His strength was in his city. His strength was in his family. His strength was in his gorgeous wives that he came home to. Come on, somebody. His strength was in the things. And so now he has to decide, am I going to go to my natural strengths, which are gone, which will leave me weak, or will I go to God for my strength. Come on, somebody. His strength was in the Lord and the Lord of loan. Listen to me. You can grieve. It's okay to weep, but you cannot forsake the strength in the Lord. Come on. You can grieve. You can cry. You can feel, but you cannot forsake your place of strength. You can't walk away from it. Now, what's interesting in the Greek, or I'm sorry, in the Hebrew, the word strength is hazak. Somebody say hazak. And it means, I love this. It's not just strength and being strong. It's to be strong, to grow in strength, and to make strong. I'm going to say that again. It means to be strong, to grow in strength, and to make strong. What's the word, Pastor Andrew? It means no matter where I am with my strength. Uh, maybe I have none. Be strong. Maybe I have a little. Grow in strength. Come on, somebody. It means no matter what season I'm in and wherever my strength lies, there's a new measure of strength found in the presence of the Lord. There's a new measure of strength. Come on, somebody. They may be talking about me, but on the side, he's strengthening me. They may have burned my city down, but he's strengthening me. My enemy may have taken everything from me, but baby, he's strengthening me. They may have talked about me, that my, my reputation may be burned down like the city, but my God is strengthening me. I may have lost all my money, my bank accounts in the negative, and my marriage is on the rocks, and my kids are sick, but he's strengthening me. I don't have anything left to my name. I don't have two pennies to rub together, but he's strengthening me. I don't know where you are this morning, but the Lord says, I'm going to make you strong. I'm going to grow you in strength and you're going to be strong in the name of Jesus. Now give him some praise if you believe it today. There's strength. There's a new measure of strength on the way. David has to decide, am I going to stay in the talking or am I going to find strength in the Lord? That's good. If you're not careful, your strength will be in what they say. Yeah. And you'll live by their praises and die by their criticisms. Wow. Preach. You'll live off their praises and die off their criticisms. That's why some people can't be corrected. Parents, that's why some of your kids, when you correct them, now y'all in here, so I'm talking to somebody online today. <laughs> when you correct them, it's the end of the world. Because they're living off your praises. Come on now. 
Because every time you give them praise, they're just eating it up. Because you haven't given them the time. Oh. My kids know that they are loved by their daddy. I tell them a million times a day. And there's some people, and I do it to people in my life too. I'm sorry. <laughs> They're like, love you. I'll text you, love you. I'm a lovey person. Why do I do that? My kids know they're loved by their dad. So I'm putting them on a place that when I correct them, it doesn't kill them. Because they know it's coming from daddy's love. Come on, somebody. And when I praise them, it's coming. It has to come from love. So, David, are you going to live by what your men are saying? Because it's easy to submit to a season based upon what the season is saying. Sometimes it's not even people talking. It's the season is talking. Are you with me today? Yeah. The season's talking. I remember a season of ministry where there was so much chatter happening. And it always seems to happen when I'm about to go on a trip or rest or something. Because <laughs> there's always a temptation to come out of rest. Come on. And I remember we were going on fall break last year. We were going to Smoky Mountains. This was going to be fun for my kids. And on the way down, having to deal with, we just go back into that loop and stay there, couldn't we? And it would have been easy to allow the season to dictate my actions. David, everything's gone. What do you do? I'm going to weep. That's all right. But some people stay at weeping and never move on. They stay at that place. It's okay to have a tent at weeping, but don't build a house there. Preach. It's all right to have a moment, but don't live your life there. That's why you have people when they're a little older, it should be legacy years. And it's really just, I'm still talking about stuff that happened when I was 20. And now I'm super toxic to everybody I meet. Listen, y'all, if I meet someone who starts talking about a, about a church, I turn my ears off. <laughs> Come on. Because usually, there's such thing as church heart. We're getting to that in the fall. It's going to be fun. But usually... It's just toxicity. Am I going to allow the season to dictate what I do and how I live? And so David's response is interesting. Because if it were me, I would have got up and given this grand speech. David's really good with words, y'all. We sing them like every Sunday. All these people that are writing songs, they need to send their royalties to David. <laughs> right? 
He's really good at communicating and words. And so my thought would be, I'm going to get up and I'm going to inspire these men. Listen here, men. If you stone me, I'll kill every one of you. (laughs) No, I would have inspired them. But this isn't what David does. Now we go to verse 7. He doesn't even talk to the men. The Bible says in verse 7, then he said to the priest. He doesn't go to the men. He goes to the priest. In David's moment of supernatural strength, he realizes that a physical struggle requires a spiritual solution. Sometimes the strength of God doesn't look like power. It looks like prayer instead. Come on. Sometimes it doesn't look like the way you think it should look. And he tells the priest, Abathar, whose name means father of abundance. In a moment where David is lacking everything, he goes to the father of abundance. Abathar, Abathar, go get the ephod. Now, this, this word's in my Instagram bio. I don't know about yours. Like, I use this word all the time. Honey, I'm going to wear my ephod out to get sushi today. You know? No, we don't use this word. This is a strange word. Somebody say ephod. ephod. Come on, you're quiet. Say ephod. ephod. The ephod was a priestly garment that was established by God to be worn by the Levitical priests at the moment where they would be communicating with God during ceremonial things. It was a priestly garment and it represented a direct line of communication with the God of Israel. David, you're not qualified for the ephod. He wasn't qualified for it. Only a priest could wear the ephod. But David didn't care about qualifications. When you've lost everything, you don't give a rip about qualifications. I don't care what degree they have. I don't give a rip. Let's do something different. Bring me the ephod. David knew that he didn't need a military strategy from the men who were bitter. He needed to hear from heaven. Because desperation will cause you to return to what you know works. Oh. That's why when things are bad, what do people do? They pray. Oh, I remember that I used to pray in this season and it got moved. So maybe if I go pray now, yes, go pray. But don't stop praying. Come on, somebody. He returns to what he know works because here's what David knew. You ready for this? He knew in this moment, in this season, in the circumstance I'm in, I need a word from God. I need a word from God because you can't live off of old bread. You have to have something fresh. There's nothing worse. There's nothing worse than going to Texas Roadhouse 
and getting stale bread. The devil is a liar. I feel satanic, demonic powers even talking about it. There is nothing worse than going to a restaurant and getting old bread that you know they baked at 10 o'clock this morning. No, send that back and give me some fresh bread with hot butter. Come on, somebody, and honey. And if you're really saved, apple butter. Come on, somebody. Don't, don't give me the old stuff. Don't give me the stale stuff. No, you call your waiter and you say this is free bread too. That's what's funny. <laughs> this is not up to my standards. And the, you can't make the same thing at home. So you have no standards. Come on, somebody. No, I don't want this bread. It's old. Can we get some new bread? I've done that before. Hey, this tastes like it came out of somebody's boot back there. Can you bring out some fresh bread? Now, we laugh about that in the natural, but in the spiritual, some of us have been living off of shoe bread for a long time. Come on, I've been living off of old words from 20 years ago. Come on, where God said to let go, and in this moment, he's telling you to hold on. Come on, somebody. I'm living off of stuff that maybe your grandma had. God, oh, God gave granny a word in 1951, and we're just holding on to that word. Get a fresh word from God for you right now. Don't live off of the old stuff I feel like preaching now. Don't live off the old word. Don't live off the old season. Get something fresh for right now because if you will get a hold of heaven, God has a word for your life. That's why I came to church today because I believe God has a word for my life and I don't want to stay in this old season anymore. I want to move on. God, give me a word from heaven. Come on, somebody. Get on your feet. Give three people a high five and say, I need a word. I need a word. Come on, get loud. I need a word. I need a word from God. I need fresh bread. Don't give me that old stuff. I need a word from God. I need something significant. I need something new. Give me that new bread. Give me a word from God. I need a word from God. I don't need a word from Facebook. Shut Facebook off and get a word from God. Bring me the ephod, he says. You can be seated. Bring me the ephod. Abathar, father of abundance. Oh, I know that I can access the abundance if I go to the place and do what you do. Come on, somebody. Bring me your ephod. Bring me your covering. I need a word from God. You don't need a word from your friend in a season like this. You don't, you don't need a word from a friend. It's good to talk to people. It's good to get wisdom. But go to God. I said go to God and get a word from him. Because he knows the season better than you do. Because David is about to be stoned, y'all. And he knows, I got to get a, I feel my help this morning. Y'all don't know who I'm preaching to. I got to get a word from the Lord. I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it in case somebody in the room hasn't heard it. There was this season last year that was extremely tough. and, And on a Sunday night, I looked at Pastor Faye and I had a mental breakdown. 
And I told her, I said, I am done. Like, well done, y'all. Y'all better not be eating your steaks. Well done. Come on. I'm praying for you. We will have deliverance service tonight in Jesus' name. I was done. I said, God, I'm done. I, I can't do this anymore. We're working so hard, and we're not seeing many results. I'm just done. And people were, people were doing this in that season. This always wears you down. Right? Oh, that's a new track we have to make immediately. Come on. It always wears you down. And I remember telling her, I'm done. And she said, okay. And it was like a breath of fresh air in my lungs. Like, oh, I can be done. Like, I have permission to be done from my wife. Come on, somebody. I can be done. And so she said, we'll table this conversation for later. Like, right now, that's fine. Okay, you, you can be done. And so Monday morning, we dropped our kids off at school. Y'all remember this story? And it was Christmas time. And so there was this toy that said he wanted real bad. And we just thought it was some weird animal toy, y'all. Like super strange, weird hamster thing. We didn't know it was the hottest toy of 2022. <laughs> we had no idea. I mean, it's so weird. But we went to Meyer because we had seen one the week before. And we thought, hey, we'll just sneak in there and, and, and grab it once the kids are in school. And so we went in there, and we're looking at the places because it was high on a shelf, you know, where most short people can't see, but us tall, blessed people could see it and could actually reach it. Come on, somebody. And so I thought, we'll just go back and get it. Well, we went, and it wasn't there. And so we went and asked this older gentleman who ran the toy section. We said, hey, do you have this toy? He said, <laughs> you got to be kidding me. That's the hottest toy of 2022. We won't have any of those for weeks. And when we do, there's only going to be two. And I already have a line of people that have said they're going to show up on this date in order to get this toy. There is zero chance that you're going to get this toy. It's like jingle all the way all over again. You know what I'm talking about? We couldn't find it. And so... I said, that's all right. Thank you so much. And so we start looking at other stuff. And Pastor Faye and I got separated. She started looking at the girls' stuff. And I started looking at the boys' stuff, you know, Marvel stuff and action figures and swords and, like, dirty stuff, like fun stuff. You know what I'm saying? Boy stuff. And I remember I said to myself, and this is so petty, y'all, but this is real. Can I just be real with you today? I said to the Lord, because I talked to the Lord everywhere. I said, Lord, if you will give me this toy... I'll stay in ministry. It's a sign that I'm supposed to stay in ministry. And so I'm like looking for stuff for, for my little boy at the same time, kind of eyeing like everywhere to make sure that toy's not somewhere else. And it wasn't. And so I go to Pastor Faye and I'm like, yeah, let's move on, you know. And so I'm thinking, man, my miracle just isn't coming today. And as I'm walking away, I see this 75-year-old gentleman running for me. Sir, sir, hey, hold up a second. Hey, he's like waving me down. I said, yeah, how, how can I help you? He said, I just, he's out of breath. I had to go in the back and check. Now the box is messed up. Is that okay? I grabbed it from him, 
like a man on fire who needed water. Come on, somebody. I grabbed it from him and said, I don't care what the box looks like. Thank you so much. And I went down an aisle and began to weep because God had given me a word for the season I was in. It can be goofy like that, y'all, but I need a word from God. I need fresh bread. Come on, somebody say, I need a word. I need a word. I need a word. I need a word that will bring me through the season I'm in. So he gets a word. He goes to the Lord. Verse 8. Are you still with me this morning? This helping you? And he asked the Lord, he said, should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? Notice he doesn't say we. He doesn't say, should we chase this band of raiders? And should we Go after them. Will we catch them? Because in David's mind, these men have checked out. They want to kill me. I might as well just give it all and go into this battle. Come on, somebody. He doesn't say we, he says me. He's looking for a word from himself. Should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? Sometimes you just want to know if the thing's going to work. God, if I step out and give in obedience, are you going to bless me like you said you would? You're quiet today. If I step out and move to this city where I know nobody and I don't have a job there and I don't have a house there, God, are you going to, I just need to know, is it going to, will I catch them? Will it work out? And here's what the Lord says. I love this. Yes. Somebody shout yes. yes. Come on. Yes. Go after them. Go after them. Yeah. Go after them because you will surely recover everything that was taken from you, somebody point to yourself and say, me. The enemy had come into his camp and taken what was most important to him. So he gets a word from the Lord. He strengthens himself in the Lord. He has strength for now and for later. And in the middle of the talking, just giving you a recap now, in the middle of the talking, he says to the Lord, I need an ephod, bring it to me, priest. And he says, Lord, should I chase after the band of raiders? Will this be victorious? Will I catch them? And he says, yes, go after them. Go after and take everything that the enemy has stolen from you. I want you now to go from being in a defensive position to being on offense. Come on, somebody. This last season, you been defending yourself because they've been talking but now you're not going to play defense anymore you're going to go on offense I want you to go into the enemy's camp and take back everything that the devil has stole from you and some of you in this season I feel my preach right now can you stay with me for five more minutes God says in this season I want you to go into the enemy's camp and begin to take back everything that the devil stole from you man you're praising him like like you will get a little victory because if you really believe this text today like i'm gonna go in the devil's camp and take back everything everything some of y'all been depressed in this season go into his camp and take back your joy 
Come on, some of you have been sick in this season. Go into the camp and take back your health in Jesus' name. Some of y'all have been in a financial struggle in this season. Go into the enemy's camp and say, no more devil, not today. Some of you have been willing to give up your marriage in this last season, but today you're going to leave here with a fight that says, I will not give up on my marriage, whether they're serving God or not, whether I feel it or not, I will not give up. I'm going to go back into the enemy's camp and take back what the devil has stole from me. I will not sit and weep anymore. I'm going to pick myself up and say, I'm going to take it back. Now give three people a high five and say, I'm taking it back. Come on, I'm taking back my peace. I'm taking back my joy. I'm taking back my mind. I'm taking back my heart. You can't have me anymore. I'm taking it back. I'm taking back my joy. Come on. I'm taking it back, devil. Come on, give us some praise right now. I'm taking it back. I'm taking it back. And not just a little. Devil, give me everything that you have taken from me. Oh, everything. Somebody shout everything. Come on, shout everything. Preach with the preacher for a moment. I'm going back, and here's what I love about this. I thought about this this morning because some of you may be in a place where you thought there's no way I can take back what the devil has stolen. It's been too many years. I love what the prophet Joel says when he says, I'm going to redeem the years that the canker worm and the palmer worm and the locusts have eaten. And so I came to tell somebody today, it may seem too late in your story, but God says, I'll redeem time if I have to. I'll redeem people if I have to. I'll come in and, oh, come on, somebody. Give us a praise right now if you believe it. Come on. You will surely recover, shout everything, that was taken from you. It was taken. It was taken from them. Some of you have been in this season where it's felt like, is this tracking with you today? Come on. It has felt like everything that I had, the devil has taken. But we sit here like cute Christians. Oh, I hate that the devil stole it from me. And we sing Waymaker. But we don't live Waymaker. Sometimes Waymaker is getting off your weeping butt, picking up a sword. But notice, he doesn't go after the people that are talking about him. He moves beyond that. Some of y'all can't get past the people talking about you and you'll never have victory in your life. He moves on. He gets a word from God. You can either sit idly by and never have it back. Because catch this. What the devil stole from you is not just about you. He stole people. There were other lives at stake on whether David would submit to the season or would submit to God. 
And so I'll never forget last year when God gave the word, I said, I'm digging in my heels deeper because this thing isn't just about me. It's about people. Come on, somebody. It's not just about me. It's about all the people in Bowling Green that need what I carry. Oh, you're so quiet today. They need what I have. They need me to pick up the sword and fight again. They need me to not give up. They need me to go in and take back what is rightfully mine. They, they need me, the God in me, come on somebody, to go and take everything back. And so you can either sit on your butt or you can go in the name of the Lord and have victory in Jesus' name. You can either sit and say, look at what the devil has done, or you can go back and say, look what the Lord has done. I love this old song. It says, I went into the enemy's camp and I took back everything that was stolen from me. Come on, come on. You can either sit on Facebook or you can go to the enemy's camp and take it back. You can either listen to the naysayers or you can go and take it back. In this season, I'm not going to listen to what they say. I'm taking back my mental health. In this season, I'm not going to listen to what they say. I don't care what our economy is. I'm going to listen to God. Come on. Come on. I'm not going to listen to the enemy anymore. I'm taking it back. Somebody shout, I'm taking it back. I'm taking it back. Now stand to your feet if you will. I want to do something with you in this moment. I want you to take a step in faith today, and that step is not the total victory, but it's the first step in obeying the word of God and taking back everything that the devil has stole from you. Are you ready? This is a sign that God, yes, thank you. God, I'm going to take it back. I refuse to submit to the season. Don't submit to the season. Submit to God. Don't submit to what you see. Submit to God. And today, I'm listening to the Lord, and I'm going to take back everything. Somebody shout everything. Everything that was stolen. Are you ready? I said, are you ready? Come on, I want you to get your praise ready. You ready? Come on, at the count of three, we're going to take a step. Ready? One, two, three. Come on, take a step right there. Now, some of you need to take another step. I'm taking it back. I'm taking back my peace. I'm taking back my family. I'm taking back what the devil stole from me. Now, come on, give it 30 seconds right there if you believe it. Come on. Devil, you can't have Bowling Green. Devil, you can't have my family. Devil, you won't have my peace. Devil, you won't have my children. My children will not be confused about their gender. My children will not be confused about their destiny. They're going to know who they are. You can't have my money, devil. You can't have my finances. You can't have my life. I plead the blood of Jesus. Remain standing, if you will. Come on, Pastor Jordan. I'm taking it back. And so David goes, and he takes back everything that the devil had stolen. Everything. 
everything that was important. What's important to realize in seasons like this, I'm sorry, y'all, I feel Holy Spirit up here so strong. What's important to realize in seasons like this is sometimes God will allow things to be burned to the ground. If they're burned to the ground, you don't need them for your next. But God will give you the victory over the things you do need for your next. So there was a season where I lost some people close to me and I, I weeped over them for a long time. And God reminded, one, reminded me one day of Samuel when Samuel was weeping over Saul. He said, stop weeping over Saul. I've given you David. Yeah, it hurts when it gets burned to the ground. But if it's burned to the ground, I don't need it for next. But I'm going to go into the enemy's camp and take everything that still has breath in it. Some things in your season, in your life, have died recently. I'm not talking about people. Maybe some friendships have died. It's okay. I know it hurts. You can weep. But move on. Move on into the victory that God has promised for you. He says, don't weep, child of God. I've already overcome the world. That's the beautiful thing about victory and about going into the enemy's camp. It feels like, and and it can come from preaching like this, that you think, man, I'm going in and I'm doing this thing. No, it's the steady hand of God behind the sword. And it's the word from God that is coming and taking back the possession that God had given me that was stolen by the enemy. So you don't have to worry about the fight ahead of you. For the Lord goes before you. He says, I got you. Come on, lift your hands in the room if you will. Hey, listener, thanks for tuning in to the Near Church Podcast. You can give online, fill out a virtual connection card, plan your visit, and more by texting the words Near Church to 94000 or by visiting us online at www.nearchurch.co.